Welcome to the First Time Podcast. I'm your host, Tad. If this is your first time listening to First Time Podcast, welcome to the show and thank you for listening. It's really, really simple. Either me, the guest, or both of us are experiencing something for the first time, usually a movie, and we talk about it. Today, my guest is a writer, director, and actor. When he's not behind the camera directing Doug Jones, you can see him in front of the camera next to Tom Berenger. Welcome, Michael Bergen, the First Time Podcast. Hey, Tad. It's great to hear from you. Great to talk to you. And hey, this is my first time on the First Time Podcast. Yeah, so it's sort of very uh, like Inception, like meta. Your, your first time on the First Time Podcast talking about my first time watching a movie. Yes, fantastic. I'm, I'm eager to hear how you like this movie. Oh, we'll, we'll get into that. But I want to talk a little bit about um, your filmmaking history, like I, I've had a few filmmakers on here, but not many that have uh, quite the resume you do. You have a pretty long history in, like I said, you, you're a writer. You've been writing a lot lately. Um, you've directed, yep. produced, and I've seen you in front, like you know, in front of the camera several times. So, um, where did that sort of bug? When did that bug sort of hit you? And like, where did that come from? The bug has always been there my entire life. Honestly. Um, uh, I didn't start actually acting on it until uh, probably about 2009. And then um, I, I had never had any aspirations to be an actual filmmaker. Um, always enjoyed writing, um, won some writing awards in school. and uh, But I got into directing and uh, films after the fallout of the tax credits in Iowa. Uh, the filmmaking tax credits and, um, you know, all of the acting gigs just kind of dried up there for a short time. So I was like, well, if there's no acting gigs, I, I'm going to at least try to create something for some actors that, uh, that I enjoy working with and see what, uh, transpires from that. And, um, ultimately just ended up getting a lot of, um, a lot of accolades for for the short films that I was doing, and so I just kind of stuck with that for a short time. And um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm really uh, trying to get away from that, and I, I really enjoy the writing aspect of it and the acting aspect of it. But um, seems like uh, the filmmaking is what I ended up getting more well known for than <laughs> any of the other things that I truly truly enjoy. So. So you say you're sort of getting away from that. Are you focusing more on writing now then? Or um, what do you mean by that? Well, I've always uh, I've always been a writer and always been uh, writing different stories and whatnot throughout my life. But, um, you know, I, the the filmmaking world is uh, very challenging. Um, and I'm at a point in my life where it's it's not necessarily something that I want to continue to do on a consistent basis. I'm not saying I will never do it again. Uh, I'm sure I probably will at some point, but um, it's just, uh, it's it's very time consuming. It's very costly. Um, and uh, I just have other priorities in life now. Um, I am gonna be creating a pilot series uh, that's coming up. Uh, we're gonna start shooting in uh, April of 2022 um, for uh, another um, ghost hunting show. So uh, we'll be uh, hitting the road here in April, me and a couple friends and uh, spending some nights in some haunted locations and seeing what shakes out. Yeah, I've seen you do a few Facebook lives from different places. Like, 
I don't know, man. I'm I'm not a big ghost guy, but I don't think um that's something that I have the guts to really like stay the night in one right. of these places. <laughs> and you know, it's it's uh it's not for the weak of heart. So like this this show is is it going to be more reality based then? Like you guys just oh, yeah. sort of more of a documentary type thing? Yep, for sure. And you know, we we take a little bit of a different approach than a lot of these loony ghost hunting shows and we don't have a whole lot of gadgets that light up and make noise and anything like that we we really just like to go into the locations and and hang out and see what happens and it's uh you know we've we've had some pretty crazy things happen to us over the over the years and um we're just hoping now that we're incorporating cameras into it that uh we'll actually be able to catch some of this stuff so well, that's interesting because it sounds like you enjoy the writing process more, but this is like the opposite because you're not writing. It's unscripted. You know, you, you really have no control over what will happen. So is that sort of hard to let go? Like, you know, it's it's you, you really don't have any idea whether you're going to have a complete dud of a night or, you know, something crazy is going to happen. Right. And, you know, that's the exciting part of it. And this is something that, that I do uh, with friends. Um, for for fun and and it's it's not like it's anything new to me um been doing it for years and now we're just taking cameras with us and and seeing if we can capture some of the crazy things that have happened to us in the past on film so yeah it's going to be a little bit different there's no script there's no you know uh, story structure um it's just us hanging out and hopefully uh, stirring up some some activity. So, well, what's sort of cool now is that with the you know everything now is sort of going to the streaming world, and also you know we have um, platforms like YouTube and Vimeo and different places that you can create content, and there's no boundaries. It doesn't have to be cut to a half hour. It doesn't have to have um, commercial breaks. You know, you can just create what you want to create, put it out there, and there it is. Right. And the good thing is, you know, if we go into some of these places and, and there's nothing going on, uh, you know, the episode can be 10 minutes long. Uh, but if we have a lot of uh, activity, it could end up being uh, an hour long or so. You know, it it all depends on what's happening. So um, we don't want to bore the uh, people who are watching us and, and fill an entire hour of us just sitting around talking. You know what I mean? Right. Well, I sort of, you know, I've been enjoying watching your like your live streams because watch something about watching it live is sort of exciting, too, because we are along with you on the journey. Like if something's going to happen, we're going to be watching, too. So, uh, you know, you sort of lose that aspect. But also, like you said, you're not we're not going to be sitting around um, with nothing happening. You won't include that stuff. You'll just be able to edit in when the fun stuff happens. Right. So yeah. I, I know you have some screenplay sort of making the round in the festival circuit right now. Um, are you planning on producing any of those? Uh, I would love to. If anybody wants to come up uh, and give me money to uh, make these movies, uh, please do so. I would love to uh, make these uh, multi-award winning screenplays uh, into a film. Um, I don't even have to be the director on it, uh, but uh, let's let's make a movie, please. Well, here's here's here. I don't know how many people are listening, but I mean, um, I know you have two of them out right right now. Right. Sort of making the rounds. Uh, just maybe a, a quick uh, sort of synopsis on both of them so people can sort of hear what they're about. 
Yeah, uh, the the first one that I that I have is called Lockridge, and it's uh, loosely based on an actual events that uh, happened in Iowa back in the nineteen the early nineteen seventies. Um, there was a, a, a very very small town uh, called Lockridge here in Iowa that uh, a couple of rural farmers um, had spotted a bipedal. Um, a very small bipedal ape-like creature. Um, they they compare they described it as being somewhat uh, uh, similar to being uh, a cross between a uh, a bear and an ape. So I don't know what that actually. Yeah, looks because like, we but... don't have bears or apes in Iowa. So no, contrary to popular belief, we <laughs> do not. And um, so you know, I I took that uh that mysterious iowa history and kind of cultivated it into a more um uh, action-packed uh creature feature um i changed the the monster quite a bit um it's something that looks more along the lines of um uh the uh the chimera in the relic and um uh, maybe the the uh, wolf from Brotherhood of the Wolf. Okay. So it's uh, it's much larger, um, much more interesting to to look at, and uh, very very strong. So, um, and then the other uh, f- the other story I have is uh, called the Caregivers, um, and it's a uh, it's kind of a I describe it as a supernatural drama. Um, ironically, it's about a an Alzheimer's patient. And, um, you know, her distant relative comes to take care of her in her final days in this uh, big old mansion and comes to find out that this woman has been living with um, spirits in her house for many, many years, um, living in harmony with these spirits. And um, there is some some dark parts to the story that uh, that come come into play. And um, and uh, yeah, it's 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 really it's really kind of the um, uh, two two family members, distant family members, coming together um, at the last moment when they should have been coming together uh, much earlier in their lives, and then throwing in a, a supernatural element to the to the mix. So, are they both features? They're both features. Okay. Uh, well, if if any filmmakers are listening, or any just rich investors. Because I want to see both of these. So, like I said, if, if anyone's listening, anything, you know, let, let's make them happen because uh, they both sound awesome to me. And I know they've been racking up, uh, like you said, awards throughout the last, what, year and a half, probably. The, the, it's been a weird year, two years for everybody with, with festivals and, you know, right. virtual stuff. But uh, I love when I see uh, my friends, you know, still, still getting those laurels to collect on their posters. It's, it's exciting. Yeah, yeah, no, it it definitely is, and uh, the the screenplays were never something I wanted to you know uh, put into a lot of competitions, but um, I found myself uh, waiting around for a couple of uh, shorts to be completed, and so I was kind of bored, and so I just entered it into a couple of festivals, and lo and behold, it pulled in awards, and I was like, oh, holy crap, let's keep going with this and see what happens. So it was just uh, acceptance after acceptance after uh acceptance and then um 
finalist, finalist, awards, awards. I was I, I never anticipated they would take off that well. So, well, that's that's awesome. I'm excited for you. Like you said, every time you post a new Thank one, you. I'm like, oh hell yeah, another one. Like I, I've sort of just lost track of them. You know, it seems like they they've been rolling in quite a bit. But uh, you know, speaking of, and I don't I don't want to talk about it too much. But these last two years, um, I always sort of bring up the filmmakers. You know, it's been it's been weird. Like you know, for about a year, like nothing at all was happening. And now things seem to slowly be getting back into it. But, uh, you know, what have you, have you just sort of been enjoying like family time or just, I feel like it was sort of a forced break for a lot of creatives, but I've also heard a lot of people use that time to write. So. Yeah, no, I, um, uh, I honestly, I, I kind of fell back in love with watching movies. I've been watching so many movies, uh, over the last two years, uh, with this damn pandemic and it's, it's really, it's, it's sad because for every 20 bad movies you watch, you end up finding one that you're just like, wow, that was amazing. That was really, really good. And those are the movies that really make it worthwhile to sit through 20 bad ones. Um, so uh, yeah, I just, uh, I, I just, I found myself watching a lot of stuff that, uh, that I probably would have watched, but uh, never got around to watching because I just had a lot of spare time and it's been wonderful. And I feel like I'm a, like I'm a movie nerd and movie fan again. So uh, yeah, you're always seem to be doing like late night binges of just some of the, I'm like, where did he find this stuff, man? Like, <laughs> yeah, you're dig- it's yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah. It seems like you're digging deep into the bottom of the, uh, independent B movie horror at times. But then, like you said, some of them you're finding are gems, um, and sort of is a nice transition to the movie we're going to talk about tonight, which is little fish. Oh, I love little fish. I have to ask you something. I'm not sure how. So how long would you say you've been experiencing symptoms? Like a month. I can remember some things, but other things are just gone, like uh, details. I can't do details. They call it NIA, neuroinflammatory affliction. And it can affect anyone. Like the man picked up by a fishing boat. It turned out he was another fisherman, couldn't remember how to steer his boat, so he decided to swim home. And then a pilot forgot how to fly. If you are experiencing NIA symptoms, I need you over here. The government has the true cure. They've been keeping NIA on the streets. There's no wonder people went crazy. This is not a proven cure. We urge everyone to remain calm. So the treatment, is it like a a pill or? We'll be doing an oral cranial puncture. Sorry, what? The brain is separated into four major lobes. Think of it as clearing a clogged pathway beneath the lateral visceral Who am I? How old am I? What's my favorite color? You're my wife, Emma Vita Ryerson Williams. You're 28. Your favorite color is yellow. Trevor meeting me. I remember a water park. What time of year was it? Summer. No. Winter. We had just bought a fish. When he first started to lose his memory, she'd kept it a secret. 
just like everyone did back then. All these little pieces. I find myself wondering how to build a future if you keep having to rebuild the past. They say you can't forget feelings, and I still believe that. What is it, it's a fish? Yeah, I got it with you. Why do you tattoo fish? True. Yeah. Are you okay? Okay, Little Fish, written by Matson Tomlin, who um, recently wrote a little movie you might have heard of called The Batman with Robert Pattinson coming out later this year, I believe. Indeed. Um, based on the short story by Asia Gable, directed by Chad Hardigan, who also directed uh, Morris from America with Craig Robinson, another great movie. Um, the music is by Keegan DeWitt, who also did the music for Morris from America, Her Smell and Hearts Beat Loud. Uh, cinematography by Sean McElwee, who also, again, I see a theme here, worked on Morris from America, Horse yeah. Girl, and uh, Horse Girl with Alison Brie. Um, starring Olivia Cook as Emma. Uh, you might recognize her from uh, Bates Motel, which is where I recognize her from. Uh, Sound of Metal, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, Play- Ready Player One, lots of great stuff. Uh, Jack O'Connell as Jude who you might recognize from Unbroken and Eden Lake. And then uh, sort of our side cast, we have uh, Soko as Samantha, who you might recognize from her, and uh, Raul Castillo as Ben, and David Lennon as Tim, who's just sort of there. Right. (laughs) Tom. Tim. Tim, Tom, yeah. Right. Uh, So this movie is one that you've been sort of uh, really... um, pushing and, and and really praising over the last several months on social media and i was like i finally just i i need to watch this and i need to hear from michael and see myself why it's so great but i want to hear from you why you love it so much like wh- how did you discover this movie i guess in the first place because it's a, it's a pretty small independent film so let, let me just say uh listening to that uh trailer you know i'm not watching the the trailer at all i'm listening to it but uh, I wish you could see the goosebumps on my arm that it created. I just uh, it, it this is one of those movies for me that just hits on every single um, emotional level. Um, and it's uh, I just I love it so much. And just listening to the dialogue and some of the the writing of the of the lines that uh, uh Olivia Cook was saying in that trailer just gave me goosebumps. So um, I actually discovered this movie uh, like you were talking about earlier, you know, deep diving into the, um, the searches on uh, different things on Amazon prime and uh, trying to find things to watch that uh, I haven't seen before. And um, I mean, you know, me, I'm, I'm more of a horror uh, film aficionado than, than uh, I am a, uh, uh, emotional drama type uh, movie uh, mm-hmm. watcher, but um, I think you know I watched the trailer, and the trailer I think is a little misleading to this film because it comes across as almost a a, um, a pandemic thriller at times in the trailer. You know some of the the music choices and and some of the um, visuals that they that they showed because if it if it if I watched that trailer and it was just a, a love love story, I probably wouldn't have given it a chance. 
Yeah, so I jumped into this completely blind. I mean, I've seen the few posts that you've made um, that were never spoilerly or really even explained it at all because you were trying to get people to go in blind. Um, so I, I decided no trailers. I'm not going to read about it. Um, I just want to see it. Uh, I had no idea that, uh, you know, we had Olivia Cook in this and I absolutely adore her um, right. in Sound of Metal. Oh, my gosh, she's fantastic in that. And like I said, I, I watched Bates Motel um, all the way through when it, you know, while it was airing. Uh, and that was sort of her breakthrough role and, and had a huge crush on her uh, from that. So, you know, it's great to see that she does things like, you know, Ready Player One, huge budget Hollywood summer blockbuster. And then she goes and does these little emotional films. Uh, and she was like a producer on this one, too, I think. She I was read. the executive producer. Yeah. So this was definitely a, a story that she believed in. Yeah. And, and it really did. Uh, I, I loved it. I, I like I said, I had no idea even the genre going into it. Um, I figured with a name like Little Fish, it wasn't going to be, you know, like a horror or anything. But um I'm a sucker for this type of thing, too. And it's so interesting. Like you mentioned, the trailer sort of paints it like a pandemic movie. I wonder if that was done. I wonder if they edited the trailer like after, you know, because because this was filmed before the pandemic and then was released during the pandemic um, just by happen chance. Like it was right. just a, a crazy coincidence. Um, this was making its it's a uh, sort of festival rounds and it was supposed to premiere. I forget at maybe Tribeca or something. And the premiere got canceled because of COVID. Um, and then IFC films ended up picking it up, um, putting it into very limited theaters. And then uh, it went to VOD and uh, you know, now it's, you can, you can check it out. I think I, I watched it on Hulu or prime. I don't remember which, but um, it's out there to see. And, and as of recording or as of, you listening to this um i believe it should be out on on blu-ray but yeah um, blu-ray came out this week yeah and so yeah i was i was really impressed with this tight little movie um it, it's hard not to compare it to our current situation but it's also it just sort of uses this disease um the nia in this movie is not it's not about the sickness itself it's more about this relationship and how our memories um, sort of affect our relationships, which I, I think is, is very interesting. Sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, it's a wonderfully emotional film about love and life. And um, you know, in a, in a world where um, nowadays marriage is kind of a disposable thought to a lot of people, you know, we, we see people that are getting married and getting and getting divorced just as quickly. Um, it, it demonstrates what marriage truly is. And that's the unification of two people into one person, despite the difficulties that they face. Um, you know, in Little Fish, one of them is physically ill, but they both are emotionally affected by it. And just watching that slow and inevitable decline of Jude and the desperation of Emma to try to hold their, their relation, relationship together makes it a truly poignant film experience. Yeah, and we, and we get a little bit of a preview um, as to what they're about to experience with uh, Samantha and Ben. And it's, it's really heartbreaking. It's like they're, they're closest couples, friends, um, and how it really affects Ben. And he's a songwriter, so it's interesting seeing it through like the perspective of an artist you know, he's he's really struggling with the idea that he's going to lose all the music that he's written over all his lifetime. So um, he's he's sort of in a rush to get 
all this music recorded, but he's, you know, he's almost too late because he's struggling in the recording studio. And uh, right. we see a really heartbreaking scene where his, he, he sort of wakes up and does not recognize his girlfriend and pulls a knife because he's like, you know, who the hell's in my house? Who are you? Uh, you know, and it has some parallels to um, Alzheimer's, you know, there's, there's been a few really great ones. Uh, I think it's called father with uh, the dude that played, uh, I'm drawing a blank, the dude that played Hannibal Lecter. Um, but uh, it, it's that one was really fantastic. It was up for a bunch of Oscars last year. Um, but uh, this is, you know, it's hard not to compare it to that, but it's a different way. It's, it, it doesn't just affect right. old people. Um, and it it's just sort of like one memory at a time, you know, and, and some of the little things in this movie are just uh, so neat, like. Uh, Jude starts putting up these Polaroids of him and Emma in different things up on the wall. So when he wakes up, he can look at them and, and sort of reference them. It, it's, it's like, that's so sweet, but it's also super heartbreaking that, right. you know, it comes down to that because there's a moment where she's, she doesn't realize that he's forgotten, but he literally just had, you know, he just looked at the wall and he's, he's sort of pulling, he's trying to convince her and himself, like, you know, I'm not forgetting, but when you realize that he's slipping and, and later on she starts slipping too, it's like, uh, this sucks. Like, you know, it's, it, and they don't really focus too much on the details about this, whether it's, you know, it doesn't seem to be something that is contagious. It just sort of like, you know, one day you, you might realize you forgot something. I think the, the first sign that we, we notice Emma might be slipping is that she, she doesn't recognize <clears throat> the dog catcher that brings her, um, dogs to she, she's a vet tech and and uh she doesn't recognize this person and it's like uh-oh right and she's asking where where frank has been you know well frank hasn't been here for you know two months you know <laughs> do you not remember me um that was uh yeah that was that was definitely a one of the more um blatant uh hints that she was starting to be affected by this as well but i think uh, you know, the more that I've seen, and I've seen this movie probably like five or six times um, since I discovered it. And I think the more that you watch it, you pick up on a lot more little subtle, subtle hints earlier in the film that it's not just Jude, it's not just Jude that's being affected by this, but Emma is, is as well. Um, you know, there are times where she's questioning Jude you know, what's your favorite color? Where did we meet? Yeah, things like this. And uh, he struggles to answer them. So, but he he's changing his his um, his answers from time to time. Now they don't actually show um, Emma's reaction to his his answers being changed, but you start to wonder: Is it is it really Emma that's wrong in these answers and Jude is just agreeing with her to placate her? Um, because there's there's a scene where early on in the film where they're they're releasing these uh, toy parachutes from the balcony of a of an apartment complex. Yeah, and, I, and I noticed that when I was going to bring that up. Yeah, and they're red, but later on when they're when they're talking about you know when where did we meet and everything, these um, parachutes are yellow at that point, and yellow is is Emma's favorite color. So, is he changing the stories just so that 
she's not realizing that she's suffering from this as well. Yeah, and and I I think it's interesting how they tell the story because we sort of it's non-linear at times. Um, no. And, and it sort of plays tricks on our mind, too, because at first, uh, when we're just getting to know these characters, um, there's times where they almost it's almost like a red herring where, you know, he's talking about his wife and it's like, oh, wait, is he married? Then it's like, oh, no, we're, we're just looking sort of uh, now and, and we get flashbacks to when they met and back and forth, like when, when they first meet, she's with a guy. She's not um, necessarily happy with him. But she meets Jude, and they become a thing pretty quickly. And and over over the course of the film, we sort of jump back to like their memories, which you know isn't sort of a, a great way to tell this story, actually, because you know we're along for the ride. Like we, we have to sort of remember things too, so that we know whether he's slipping, she's slipping. Uh, but it's not it's not like Inception where it's it's a mind fuck and it's confusing. Like it's it plays more on the emotions of it than it does like the the like I've seen some places call this more of a sci-fi and I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far but it really is like you know a, a look into the human mind and, and relationships. Yeah, you know, I there's a there's a lot of places a lot of uh, reviewers that uh, compare it to being a sci-fi or call it a sci-fi and and when you think about it in that context, a, a science fiction in terms of you know this disease and and things that are happening i mean it 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 is scientific and and it is a fiction but it's definitely not like the matrix or star wars in science fiction terms you know what i mean so yeah i guess uh, by definition it's be like this disease is made up so I, technically it's fiction and it's you yeah. know like diseases are science but um, you know, my, I think Nikki about killed me cause I told her, you know, sh she doesn't like watching a lot of the podcast movies cause we'll watch them for the other podcasts and they're, they're bad horror movies. And I was like, no, this is, I, I have a feeling this, you're going to like this one. It's going to be a good one. And she's like, okay, convinced her to watch it with me. And like within the first, maybe 15 minutes, they're putting a dog down and she's like, what are you, why did you make me watch? I'm like, just <laughs> make it through, you know, it's okay to feel heartbroken. You know, I was like, I didn't know, but you know, it, it's going to be okay. And of course it's heartbreaking. I mean, we're both huge dog lovers. Um, and I cannot imagine having that job, but it, it, it all, everything like the little details like that all end up serving a purpose. I mean, later in the movie, um, when he misses out on the opportunity to become part of a, like a trial, uh, for fixing this disease, um, she decides, or or they decide, you know, she's gonna try it in her like vet's office, which is in itself maybe that's like a a horror element because holy shit, like watching her put a, a needle through the top of his mouth, like the lit the roof of his mouth is is like I I wanted to look away. It's I don't I, that and eyes and fingernails, like no thanks. Yeah, no, yeah, that was definitely a difficult scene to watch, and uh, nobody, uh, most people don't like watching needles being put into somebody's uh, body but uh, even more so the roof of somebody's soft palate it's definitely yeah. not not a fun experience i'm sure but i mean it's it's another big heartbreak when and it's it's just so interesting because they have that discussion where um she gets the phone call and you know they're ready to do this trial and she gets the phone call and it's like he he can't do the trial because they found drugs in the system well he's a recovering drug addict and it's like, well, I've been clean. What's he say for uh, five years? Five or years. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, what's going on? Well, looking back, you know, he, he ran into an old musician friend on the street 
um, and he does not remember what they did, but it's apparent that they end up ended up, uh, you know, getting back to some old habits. And it's just like heartbreaking because it's not his fault. And, you know, he legit le- legitimately does not remember doing it. He slipped uh, yep. and there's nothing now he potentially and we we find out he does end up pretty much, you know, that's like the death note. Like, you know, the, the procedure that she does in the, the vet's office does not end up working. And they're just they just sort of have to wait for this to take over. Yeah, no, definitely. And and he also wasn't real excited about doing the uh, the procedure to begin with. But then when it got to be the point of desperation and he did want the procedure done, then it was, you know, it was revealed he, he wasn't going to be able to do it. So heartbreaking. Yeah. And, and it's a movie that really, really, um, you know, leans heavy on these two. I mean, Emma and Jude, Jack O'Connell and Olivia Cook. If either of them did not knock their performances out of the park, this would not be a good movie. Like when when you rely on basically two characters you know everybody else is supporting basically and and i've seen here or there but it's really a hundred like 99 percent these two um they like i said their performances are just what make this movie and i i'm not familiar with jack o'connell like i i've never seen uh I, i think unbroken was probably his biggest movie and i have not seen that but um really fantastic in this movie and now i want to sort of check out what else he's done yeah, the only other thing I ever saw him in was uh, Eden Lake, and uh, I did not recognize him in this movie as being the the uh, uh, the antagonist in e- Eden Lake because he was probably like sixteen back then. Yeah, I think it's interesting because you know they obviously uh, with Olivia Cook got someone you know big and and she's a little more recognizable now and and we know her talents, but it's like. They really, I mean, he must know, like, I don't know if he, he knows somebody, you know, involved with the film or how, or he just had a great audition or something, but um, great casting because, like I said, he's pretty well, pretty unknown and, and really just nails it in this role. Um, they're, they have great chemistry. Like, the chemistry was outstanding. Yeah. I mean, there's, you, you actually believe that these two, have a relationship and they're and they adore each other and you know uh, it's it's just uh it's so believable in in their performance and i think i agree with you 100 percent. this movie would not be what it is if it wasn't for the performance that those two put together yeah and i mean obviously you know something like this obviously is is uh the writer shines too, because um, it has to have the story and that the story is here. It's, this is not a, um, a visual movie. You don't have big special effects or, or any action scenes. Um, this is a hundred percent character driven. And so the, the story itself is very strong. I, I would like to read the short story that it's based on. Have you read that? I just read it uh, over the weekend uh, when we were talking about doing this podcast. So um, it's, it's there's there's a lot of um little details from the short story that made it into the into the film so it was it was remarkably um very well written and uh i think it was well portrayed by the film so is it pretty close to it though like uh it does it actually have these two characters or sometimes you think yep. you, you hear things are like based on a short story and it's like they took maybe the the uh nia out of it or you know one character or something but it sounds like this is pretty accurate to the story 
Yeah, no, it is. Uh, even some of the the little details about you know the the marathon runner that forgot to stop running. Oh is yeah, that. So, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, you know, because I've I've only seen this once through, and I definitely want. It's one of those I'm going to be like pushing on all my friends who who uh, like indie film because people are always asking me. You know, th- this is sort of how this started. I get messages all the time. Hey man, like I have uh, Prime, Hulu, Netflix, all this. I feel like I there's nothing I like. Like I I watch the first ten minutes of a million things and I hate it all. And I'm like I'm glad I have one in my back pocket like this uh, because I feel like. Uh, this will really surprise a lot of people, but that that scene, um, there's the marathon runner who forgets to stop running. What else do we have? Like, there's like three or four different uh, stories of people whose memory just slips and it sort of uh, shows the effects of this disease. Yeah, the the fisherman who forgot to who couldn't remember how to steer the boat, so he just jumped oh, overboard, yeah. and decided and they, to swim home. Yeah, and they just found him. Like, luckily, found him out there floating. Yeah, and then there was the uh, the airline pilot who uh, forgot to how to fly a plane. Yikes! Yeah. So then all the flights were grounded; nobody could fly anywhere. Yeah, because you think about you know, obviously this is heartbreaking because it's breaking up a a great relationship. But you think about how dangerous it can be. Um, you know, just because this is the difference between like NIA and. Uh, Alzheimer's is that you know a a pilot will not that has Alzheimer's will not just up and forget how to fly one day you know while right. he's in the air that's not how that works that's what makes it so scary but again um they do a great job of making it so it's not about that it focuses on our two characters and that's what I think uh is a strong point is that that sort of takes a back seat and I don't know if this helped or hurt the movie. The fact that it, it's about a pandemic, it came out during a pandemic because it seems like uh, some of the reviews I was reading, people either thought that it was like inspired by the pandemic or they're yeah. like, or they're like, you know, I, I sort of watch movies to escape the reality of our, of how shitty things are right now. And, and this brought them like back into that. So they didn't like that part, which is not the movie's fault. Um, but it's just, like I said, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing or if it just sort of evens it out. Yeah, no, the, the short story has been around for a good almost 10 years, I guess. And uh, I know that uh, they've been trying to make this movie for, uh, I think, uh, in an interview I saw with Chad Hartigan had mentioned that uh, they were, it was in process of being made into a movie for about four years. So um, it, this is something that was definitely going on way before the pandemic in, in everybody's real life. And uh, just luck of the draw got released around that time. So, yeah. Can you imagine how they felt like they're getting ready for their big premiere at a film festival and the festival's canceled <laughs> because of a pandemic? Their, their right. pandemic movie is canceled because of a pandemic. How um, is that like the definition of irony, I guess? But uh, yeah. Totally. Oh man. But, uh, yeah, I, I really loved it. I I'm on like a great streak. I've been doing this podcast for over a year now. Um, I sort of started it because of the pandemic and I have yet to find a movie, um, recommended to me that I didn't really, really like. Uh, and so, you know, I guess congrats on keeping the streak going. Um, I, I figured I would like it. That's why I reached out to you. Um, I, you know, I was like, I want to watch this. So we might as well get a podcast out of it. Cause I figured with the way you've been posting about it, you, you had a uh, true passion for it. And, and that seems to be like 
something that you really do like you champion independent films when you find something you like you make sure that it's known like hey everybody check this out it deserves more eyes on it yeah i i'm just i'm shocked that this was this movie flew under everybody's radar so so quietly um it uh, i i kind of figured this movie would have been in uh, wide release theaters and uh would have been a big huge hit you know but uh it just didn't play out that way but we're, we're in weird times i mean the stuff that is right now hitting that's it's it's like we're back in theaters now sort of and you know we're still half streaming like half like one foot in the in the water and it's like i don't know everything's sort of fucked up right now still um i mean things are slowly getting back but i don't know if they'll ever be like they were uh you know two years ago when you know, we've always had VOD and that kind of stuff, but it seems like now that uh, companies or, or distributors see like, oh, we can we can successfully put stuff just on streaming or they can sell their movies to uh, these streaming services, uh, you know, physical media slowly sort of dying out. But I'm, I'm still buying it. I'm still buying uh, as many Blu-rays and 4Ks and everything, all the special features. I, do you know if this has any uh, the disc has any special features? I'd hope a commentary because that'd be very interesting. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not real sure. I mean, it's coming out from Shout Factory, so I'm sure there's probably some um, some decent uh, uh, add-ons to it. Um, uh, but I'm not real sure. I'm I'm eager to to get my disc so I can uh, figure out what's on it as well, and um, definitely would want to see a commentary or uh, any sort of uh, interviews that might come along with it as well. You know, you were kind of talking about how you how you didn't think this was much of a, a visual movie, um, but I think, uh, you know, a lot of the editing comes into play with this and making it a very visual movie and, and putting the audience in the perspective of losing their memories as well. So like in the, when, when they're doing flashbacks, mm-hmm. you know, early on in the movie, the flashbacks are very clear and crisp. And then as the movie progresses, the flashbacks take on a very much more soft feel to them. And, 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 uh, you know, there's, there's parts in the, in the camera that are very clear. And then the outlying uh, rest of the frame is kind of blurry. And um, I think that just kind of signifies the difficulty of reflection, uh, reflecting of the past memories. And then later on in the movie, when Emma's talking to Jude about, you know, who was at our wedding and you're showing these flashbacks and you can see a silhouette of a person there, but their face is completely obscured. Mm -hmm. And he's just, you know, you can see the look on his face and the wheels are just turning and he's struggling so hard internally to, to put a name to that face and he just can't. Um, It's just remarkable editing, I think. I, I just absolutely love that part. Yeah, and the cinematography is really good too. It's a it is a beautiful film, um, and, and and you know it's it's nice to look at. And like you said, uh, I, I think something like like you just described, you know, is exactly why a filmmaker can appreciate something like this. Um, you've been through the editing process several times. Uh, you've been you know you've you've seen things come from paper to screen, um, and you've been through all the processes, so you can sort of appreciate it a little bit more than the average moviegoer, I would say. Um, so you pick up on, especially when someone watches it, you know, you said five or six times. Um, but I think that little, little things like that, you know, I like looking back now that you say something, yeah, I can, I can realize that, but it's like, I think 
it speaks for it speaks volumes for the way they did it because um i'm seeing that but i'm not necessarily recognizing it it's like my mind's registering that and that these these uh, memories are getting more and more distant but they've done it so it's not like right in your face you know right um, and, and like you said the little hints that she might be losing her memory too like the color of the parachutes from the little army men it's funny because like the, the very first scene where we you know she shows up at the apartment and they're throwing them off the balcony and he's like i'll buzz you up i was like i wonder if you know how often do you see a scene where guys are doing this like there's got to be a reason they're doing this and it, I'm, right. my, my mind's like collecting little clues i'm like you know, okay, remember that. And of course, later, you know, when they change colors, I'm like, yes, my my stupid brain actually did something right for once. I remembered, uh, you know, what color they were and, and why that was important to the story. But, uh, you know, even when they're like talking and he, he's just struggling, it's like, you know, our first kiss, like, what did you say? You know, and it was like, it's interesting that they had to film several versions of the story. It's like, you know, he remembers one version of it and he says it and she's like, no, that's not what it is. And he's like, okay, okay. Um, was it this? And there's a point where it's almost like, is he just sort of guessing and throwing it out there? But you know, you, you mentioned that, you know, maybe she doesn't even always have the, the correct recollection. So they're, they could both be wrong or he's just agreeing because he doesn't want to upset her and he wants right. to, he wants to be right. And it's like, fuck how awful would that be you know just yeah i i don't know like and and like i mentioned earlier the scene where their best friends uh samantha and ben when when he is sort of up on stage and he's got this blank face it's clear that he's like forgetting his own songs right in the middle of performance um you know it, it's it's like okay this is a minor inconvenience compared to like someone forgetting how to fly a plane but these songs are how he expresses his life. You know, these songs are what he has. And, and when we hear from Samantha and she's like, just heartbroken, she's like, you know, this is the guy I want to live the rest of my life with. And he doesn't even know who I am. And Jude has to go upstairs and, you know, takes a knife from him and has to explain like, she's your girlfriend. You've been together for years. Um, she's the love of your life. And it's like, fuck what you do you guys do? are great together yeah know? yeah and it's like fuck what do you what do you do with that now you know it's like if you don't remember her it's like starting over from the beginning you know yeah no that's that's and i think that's what really hits the the viewer is you know this relationships and marriage is about sharing life it's about building memories of a life shared and then when you're losing that person i, I you know to me that is that is one of the scariest things in the world is not being able to uh, rely on that person anymore. Or, or it, it would almost be like, you know, them breaking up with you and you don't want that to happen. It's, it's, uh, they are for no fault of their own, just becoming more and more distant. And it, it would be terrifying to watch that happen in front of you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. And I would say, you know, in, maybe it's a little dramatic, but I was just thinking, you know, it's, it's worse than death because at least like, I don't know, it, it's like out of your hands and this, you just, you have to sit and watch it and, and they're still there physically. Yep. And there, but you know, there's, there's, like you said, there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, you know, until this, this big procedure comes along and another sort of fucking heartbreak is that, you know, he can't have it done. And, and who knows, you know, if they, they say that the trial works, it's like, that was one of those moments that was sort of like, 
oh shit it reminded me of when you know the news came out that they, there was going to be like a vaccine because everyone's checking their phone and it's like you know oh the trials right. showed that you know there was some success to it and then of course everybody's trying to get to it because this is it seems pretty common uh, they don't actually I don't, I don't think they actually say like numbers but you know there's a scene where she's lined up and she's trying to sign uh, Jude up for the trial and uh, people are sort of panicking and I mean, you know, th- this would have a major effect on society in general. Um, just yeah, absolutely. It, it's just it's it's scary in a way. You know, maybe that's where the sci-fi element is. Is that it's it's sort of terrifying to think of what we would do in that situation. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, it, it, it you're hitting the nail right on the head. You just lose everything that makes you you and uh even you know of course again as as a dog lover when he's out playing with his dog and he's like this dog's really cool it's sort of it has some humor to it where he's he sort of is lighthearted. like i don't know i don't know this dog and it's like god my you know my dog is like my right hand and my wife's my left hand like you know i just i i have they're, they're right there it's like i can't imagine a world where i'd wake up and not recognize my dog but you know it, it has some some lighthearted moments where you know he's he's out there playing and then that of course uh, sort of leads to like maybe the most heartbreaking, but also one of the the big, I guess the big sort of uh, reveal and mind twist is that um, this movie comes f- like full circle. Um, at the, she, she mentions it several times in the movie where um, she's she's like, I was sad when I met you, and I and I don't remember why. Right. And that's what, how the movie opens, and then it's the same scene to how it closes and how they. It, it's sort of actually uplifting in a way because they both forget each other and then re meet on the beach start over yeah and it's like you know of course in my mind i'm like i want to know like did they did they fall back in love all over again or uh right you know the butterfly effect is like you would hope that they would they have the same personalities but you know things could be completely different but uh you know the dog runs up and and she doesn't recognize him and i was like oh it's it's what a great ending i mean they really they really stuck the ending on this i can't think of a movie that you know it just lands it perfectly. I've seen so many great movies just uh, totally falter at the end. And this one, not, not the case. It absolutely was like inside. I was just like, Oh shit. You know, (laughs) it's so cool. The actual final 30 seconds of the film is such a hard hitting Marvel. It will go down as one of the best endings ever for me in a film about losing your memory. It's the ending that I would never forget. Well, see, it's sort of poetic. You would never forget it. Right. Unless, you know, you had NIA, then you might forget it. Yeah. Things happen, I guess. Well, I have a little bit of trivia to read from IMDb, but we'll take a quick break to hear from the Prescribed Film Podcast Network, and then we'll be right back. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Okay, for such a small sort of independent unknown film, this had quite a bit of trivia on IMDb. So I, I picked and uh, chose what I thought was the most interesting. Um, Olivia Cook has stated that her character Emma is, she believes, the closest she has ever been to playing herself. 
um, which is really cool because that might be why it's one of her, arguably her best performance, I would say. Yeah, sure. Out of everything I've seen, at least, um, you know, I, I haven't seen everything, but uh, she's fantastic in this. So I could, you know, it, it's interesting uh, that I don't know if that's, I, I guess, you know, it's it, she, if she sees, feels like she's playing um, the closest to herself, then she feels uh, that chemistry is probably, you know, where that comes from. Yeah, absolutely. You could definitely see the passion that she has for this character um, uh, on the screen. Uh, it's it's remarkable the the performance that she put out. So um, it's it's. I don't think it would have been as strong a movie if she hadn't have been so insistent on getting it made and and being a part of it. So, and that leads to our next one. Um, she stated in an interview that. Um, as being executive producer of the film, it meant she could use her own native accent for the role for the first time since she was 18 due to her control over the film and her character. So that sort of took me by surprise because um, I and of course, it's it's almost like something like The Walking Dead, like almost everybody was British. And it's like, oh, you know, I guess we're just not using American actors anymore. But um, hearing her her actual accent, I was like is she putting on an accent for the movie? I had to look it up and I was like, Oh great. This is actually her real voice. She is so good at doing the like non accent American, you know, sort of, uh, non accent, I guess, uh, that I had no idea. Yeah, no, I I've seen interviews with both her and, uh, Jack O'Donnell. Um, and he is, he's got a very strong British accent as well. So, um, he he definitely pulled off an American accent flawlessly in this film. Yeah, I didn't know that either until you just told me. Um, when Emma calls her mom, the image seen on the contact profile is actually Olivia's mom in real life, Lindsay Cook. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, the fun little Easter egg in there. That's uh, neat. Yeah, Olivia Cook and Matson Tomlin workshopped the script for two years before it was finalized. You sort of mentioned that a little bit ago that, you know, this was um, sitting around for a bit and they were working on getting it made. And uh, I'm glad it did, because this only took a month to shoot beginning on March 11th, 2019 and ending in April. So, uh, you know, you might basically have two characters and, you know, small, no big sets. Um, so it makes sense. Uh but it's it's just impressive what they did with with so little. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I suppose there are a few scenes that uh, you know are are a little bit longer. And and but uh, a lot of these flashbacks are just you know they're quick quick little shots. You don't have a lot uh, going on with them, so it probably wouldn't take that long to to actually shoot this. Uh, the main theme for the film, "See You in the Dark." was written by the soundtrack's composer Keegan DeWitt and performed by Soko, who also stars in the film as Samantha. So uh, Samantha is actually a musician. She goes just by Soko, the actress does, but she's she's also a recording artist because when I looked her up, uh, she actually, I think, had more music credits on IMDb than acting. Yeah, no, she. I, I've, I'm not familiar with her music at all, but um, the soundtrack and and the score in this film was phenomenal. And I've actually got a bit of trivia for you on on the score. Um, watching interviews with Chad Hartigan, he, the director, he had mentioned that um, uh, the the composer um, at times throughout the film, as the film progresses the the score he would take 
uh, it was this, it was the same music, but he would take an instrument out. So it's like you're losing your memory. You're losing Ooh. part of the score as well. So by the end of the movie, you know, they had, they had lost like half of the, uh, half of the instruments that they were using to create the score. <laughs> Man, they thought that was really remarkable. Yeah, I mean, they really like spared no expense on the little details in this to make it um, what it is. I mean, and that's, I guess, the little details all build up to making, you know, the big picture, which is is just so cool. But it's it's absolutely a labor of love. You can tell from everyone involved. Um, Yeah. Olivia Cook has stated in a recent interview that it was often discussed on set how strange it would be to have a pandemic like the one in the film as a reality and then within a year of filming, the COVID-19 pandemic had hit. So mention that a little bit, but, you know, it's just crazy to think like the parallels, you know, just sitting yeah. discussing like, wouldn't this be awful? And, you know, obviously a very different kind of pandemic, but um, sort of flipped everything upside down. Uh, and then near the end of the movie, as Emma is losing her memory, she has flashbacks Um and th- this is what we mentioned earlier. One flashback is a little parachute army men that are thrown out the window from Jude's Halloween party. Uh, the flashback show the parachute colors yellow, but earlier in the movie, the parachutes were red sort of showcasing that, uh, for, you know, taking us along the ride for that, that, uh, memory is like, do I remember this correctly? Okay. Okay. Right. And the, uh, the first kiss also was, uh, reversed as uh, later in the movie uh, with Jude kissing Emma rather than Emma kissing Jude at the, at the nightclub. Yeah. Like I think he's, or one of them's going into like the restroom and he, earlier in the the movie uh, he's like, can I kiss you? And she's like, no, I'm with someone. And he, and he keeps calling uh, her boyfriend by the wrong name. I don't know if it was on purpose or, or to irritate her or just sort of uh be funny but it was you right. know kept calling him tom or, or it was his name's tim, tim. yeah <laughs> tim that's worse yeah yeah <laughs> so did you have any final thoughts on this one before we sort of wrap up oh goodness um i'm not sure what more can be said that i haven't already said i, go, I just, just go watch I, it I, I just adore this film yeah definitely check this thing out uh it it is worth seeing um it will uh, definitely uh, hit you. So where can people go if they want to check out um, some of your short films, whether it's uh, something you've written, directed, or, and I know you're, you've are in some features and shorts also as an actor. Um, where, where would I point people to, to check stuff out? Well, if you want to see some of my short films, uh, I do have a uh, page on uh, a channel on YouTube. Uh, most of them are posted there. Uh, they're on Vimeo. Um, and then some of the bigger films I've been in, uh, like The Experiment, uh, is, uh, God, it's probably on uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, I know the, the Blu-ray is out. Um, I was in uh, Wonderland with uh, Tom Berenger and Stephen Luke. Um, that is out on Blu-ray. It's on Amazon Prime. Um so yeah, there's uh, they're out there if you if you you know uh, go into YouTube and type in my name, I'm sure it'll pop up. Yeah, I'll, I'll make sure to link to your YouTube page. And also, I sort of ask my guests uh, from time to time, especially when they recommend something to me. What's is there like one sort of big movie that might shock people that you haven't seen that's on like your watch list? Because um, on this show, I try to promote the positive side of the the idea that. You shouldn't be ashamed of not seeing something. You should be 
It should be celebrated because it's exciting when someone is there anything more exciting than showing someone like your favorite movie? Like when you find out someone hasn't seen, you know, the thing, it's like, oh, shit, let's watch the thing and watching their reaction to it. It's like, I wish I could live through them. So is there anything that's that might surprise people that's on your list that you've never seen? Oh, my God. Um, There's I mean, there's a lot of things I haven't seen or I haven't seen all the way through just because, you know, like I, I have not seen the Godfather, but that's probably by choice, right? Yeah. yeah. It, 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 I, it does not interest me. Um, God. Yeah. I mean that, I mean, that's a big one. Um, I have not seen gone with the wind all the way through. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the classics, I feel like uh, it's one of those things I always, always talk about on the show is like, in the film circle, if you say that in like a crowd at like a film festival, like I've never seen the Godfather people go, Oh my God, like how you consider yourself a film fan. And I hate that because it's like, you, you've seen a, a ton of great stuff. It's just, it, you know, different strokes for different folks. Like there should not be like something that people have to see. I just, I hate that idea. And it's like, you know, that we have to, there's this list of films that if you're, if you haven't seen, you're not considered like a real fan or, or the idea that, you know, people will even go to lengths of being like, Oh, you know, I've seen it in parts or it's been a long time just to avoid getting that reaction. Um, right. We should all be like celebrating the idea. You know, that's, I had a guest on here that, um, watched jaws for the first time. And I was like, you know, what, what's, what's your favorite Spielberg film? And he's like, well, this is the first one I've seen. And I'm like, what that is i'm like that's fantastic like let's watch them all like come over right now bring your pajamas and let's just go through his whole filmography i love like you're my new best friend i want to show you everything like we'll that... build a blanket fort we'll camp out in front of in front of the, t- the tv and we'll just spielberg yeah. it all night long i got shark slippers let's do this man uh you know it, i was like you've never seen jurassic park he's like nope i'm like this awesome like good for you you know and, and he's actually someone who's making films now and i'm like the idea like my mind sort of exploded the idea that he's making films and he has no influence by Steven Spielberg. How cool is that? Like, yeah, that's, that's pretty crazy. But yeah, like you said, good for him. You know, the idea that you have to know all these films and have to have to have seen them all is, is ridiculous. You know, you, you like what you like and that's great. Everybody thinks I'm crazy for thinking the Shawshank redemption is boring as hell. I can't get into that movie. Uh, I know I'm in the anomaly, but uh, I don't care. I, I mean, I've, I'll wear that badge of honor. So, I mean, I've, I've tried to get through the first Lord of the Rings movie like four times and I fell asleep every time. It's nothing. And, and I tell people, please don't attack me. I'm like, you know, I, I, I want to get through it. Um, and maybe it's been like 10 years since I've tried. So maybe revisiting now that I'm a little bit, I don't, I don't know if it's be better that I'm older, you know, I'll probably fall asleep even easier, but, um, maybe it's just not my thing. And that's, you know, and, and it's not saying that's a bad movie. It's just that I, I can sit through some really bad direct to video horror shit that people would absolutely hate. But I, you know, Lord of the Rings and, and, you know, like I said, I get chastised for it every time I bring up that I, I haven't seen those movies. Um, I, I watched my first bond movie for this podcast. Uh, it sort of just blows people away, but that's what's sort of been fun about this. You know, it's, I get little indie films like this and then I get to introduce someone to jaws. Um, we'll watch some weird horror shit. Uh, it's just all over the place. It's fun. Yeah, that would be, that would be a good time. Yeah, no, I've, I've got, I've got a long list of, of 
obscure movies that nobody's ever you know heard of that uh, are fantastic that I could give you, but um, you know things I haven't seen. There's a million things I haven't seen, uh, and I'm all right with that. So. Well, the, the world's wide open, you know, there's never a um, shortage of content, especially right now. So, uh, you know, none of us are going to reach the end of that watch list, but it's fun to start checking stuff off. And I, I really do thank you for coming on and introducing me to this little gem. Um, like I said, it's going to be one I keep in my back pocket and recommend to people. Anytime uh, someone messages me, I'm going to be like, watch this. And then, you know, I'll see them watching something else on, on social media, a little tag that they're watching some other shit and I'll get mad. But um <laughs> Well, yeah, why did you ask me if you weren't going to listen to my recommendation? Yeah, happens all the damn time. They're like, well, that doesn't sound interesting. I always tell people, just go in blind, you know, trust me. And if you don't like it, um, I'll give you your your $3 rental back. But this one, you know, you can find free on, on uh, like I said, on, on Hulu or Prime. Uh, check out Little Fish. Thank you, Michael Bergen, for coming on First Time Podcast. It's a lot of fun talking about this one. Tad, it was an honor. Thank you very much for having me. Hopefully, uh, we'll be back uh, at some point in the future. Yes, I got to have you back on because, like I said, you, you've seen a lot more than I have, and uh, you have that list of films, so we'll have to check some off that list. Sounds great. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. If you enjoy the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. A special thank you goes out to my friend Scott Schreiner for our intro and outro music. We'll see you next week on First Time Podcast.